0: My wife was noticing I was progressively getting madder and madder after watching these these videos, and she's like, "Why are you even doing this?"
1: <laughs> While watching these nominations, you got 90 scars. Yeah, the 90 scars. We're also here to talk about 90s cars. By the way. <laughs> Review
0: Lounge. Yes, right. this is a Review Lounge. Review Lounge. Uh, you know, I'm E.J. Massa. These are the same people who are on the show all the time. What so. do you
1: mean? <laughs> do not miss it all. It's the third annual Oscars Review Lounge cast. That's, right? Yes. Where where the, the primary goal is to watch all of the Best Picture nominees. That's right. And show off a cute baby. Yes. Yeah. So all four of us have watched all Best Picture nominees for... The 2018 Oscars that's right do we want to make any uh, preliminary comments
2: sadness talk- sadness yeah.
0: well first off let me just uh, explain that we will be talking spoilers yeah um, so ah! in- yes spoilers! Ah! Oh, no, spoilers. <laughs> so in the uh, description below there'll be time code uh, to where you can skip around if you want to um, if you want to watch a certain movie or or EJ
1: they can go to our brand new YouTube <laughs> they can go to our brand new YouTube channel one separate from the main Red Cow Entertainment channel that, that we please, please ask you to subscribe to because we need the subscribers yeah. it's called RCE Red Cow Entertainment pods and clips mm-hmm. so
0: every single movie will be in those in that channel as separate clips yeah. so if you don't want to watch this whole long odyssey Go there,
1: or there'll be a link in the comments. As yeah. well as well as the the previous year's movie reviews, they'll all be there too. That's right. So if you want to kind of binge on movies that like were the talk of the town for two seconds and then no one talked about them again, like The Revenant, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you you can watch our reviews of those. But
0: other than that, yes, this year. I think was supremely disappointing. Yeah.
1: It
2: was a bad one. Uh, I, but is it disappointing <laughs> at this point or does it live up to exactly what our expectations of the Oscar films are? Yeah,
1: probably that one. <laughs> well, so I, I, I had to, in order to cut up the clips for the new channel, I had to kind of revisit what our thoughts were the previous two years. And the Hi there. And the, the first year, we uh, we agreed that it was a bad year. Yes. And last year we said, hey, not too bad. Yeah. There were some good ones here. So this is a quality dip. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and, and I would even say that like, Okay, it's one thing for me to not enjoy the films. It's another, like, for me to feel as though the Emperor has no clothes constantly. Yeah. Where, like, there's there's a lot of cheesiness all of a sudden. Yeah, like, yeah.
3: really saccharine, saccharine films. A
1: constant naked like, Emperor. Like, cliches. Like, yeah. like, all of a sudden, these movies that are supposed to be nuanced and mature and have something interesting to say that no one's ever said before... It's like... Um, Nicholas Sparks novels? They're like Nicholas Sparks novels. They're yeah. Like, they're, they're, they're like written by and for children.
3: Yeah, there's nothing nothing like
1: very little original filmmaking. And I've got like like grown intellectuals telling me that these are good movies. Yeah, and they're, and they're very, very shallow. Like with no subtext no. at all. And so, and, and so the only thing that explains it, unfortunately, it's either that um, the, the, the populace in general is kind of a little dumb, and so that's how this happens, or it's that they're forgiving cheesy movies or cliche movies because they think that the movie's important for some reason. Yeah, yes. like for instance, that it might get people to vote a certain way.
0: I there might be. I think there are
1: stakes involved, and that's kind of anti-art. Yeah, to be that political with your and you know, I'm for, yeah. when, a lot of times when people say the Oscars are political, they're talking about the political process of who wins. Yes, this this year and maybe previous years, it's really about like. It, it, it's like the Democratic National Convention made a bunch of movies. <laughs> Am I getting too political? I'm yeah, just, I'm just I, calling it how I see it. Well, I think that there's definitely
3: motivation within the Academy to select certain types of films now. Uh, I mean, especially after they were lambasted so heavily for not, you know, Oscar so white kind of stuff.
2: Yeah, I mean, Oscar is so dry land, so they yeah. have to put a sea creature in. <laughs> not, really? Not
1: cool. Like, is, is, you know, let's just come out and say it is the election of Trump, in, in the same way that, like, when Batman shows up on the scene, it eventually creates Joker? <laughs> Like, does Trump showing up in the op- in the White House create, like, shitty movies that people think are virtuous?
3: I don't know if it's necessarily any worse this year than it was last year, though. I mean, the- to be
0: fair,
1: I'm, re- I'm really just thinking about the Post.
0: Right. Do we want to just get right into it? Just yeah. get into the Post? The because post I think we should post. start off with the worst one. Right. Yeah, yeah. Just so we, we don't end on, like, a sour
1: note, I want to... I want to have at least some hope. You, you, you want to
2: work toward Get Out and Dunker? Yeah, I want to,
1: like, work toward Jeez. the good. I've said it before in previous podcasts. Steven Spielberg at some point lost the thread. No. The Phantom no. Thread. He so here, I have a theory about Steven Spielberg. Mm-hmm. I don't think that he actually goes on set anymore. I, here, here's how I think a Steven Spielberg movie gets made. Do you think he's a phantom director? Yeah.
2: If yeah. you've ever been on set with him, please confirm or deny in the comments yeah. below. Um,
1: he goes, "This is the kind of movie I might think I might want to make." Or somebody comes to him with a script,
2: yeah. and then he reads. I think the sp- this movie should exist in the world.
1: He reads the script, and he goes, "Oh yeah, totally." And he sits down, probably for five or six long pre-production meetings. Where oh, I thought like you were going to say for five or six long minutes. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't think no. he. I don't think he spends a lot of time. Um, like like taking notes or like really going in or doing his own research. I don't think any of that's happening. I don't think he's doing any of his own legwork. I think he's doing a lot of ad-libbing and talking out loud in these meetings where yeah. he's flipping through the pages going, oh, uh, yeah, and this would be really great. And this could be Meryl Streep. And, and someone
2: this. else is taken notes. Yeah,
3: yeah. and he gets a, lot, he gets a few ideas that he's really married to and yeah. really wants to make yeah. sure that they come through.
1: And I think he's got a couple of unit directors who he's worked with for years who then go out and direct the film.
0: Yeah. It, re- it reminds me a lot, uh, I don't know if you remember in the mid-90s, uh, Warner Brothers had started their own channel yeah. and there was a lot of Steven Spielberg produced shows which I think he just you know, pitched something to some uh, random creative people yeah. and was like, hey, make a show like this, make a show like this and you got Pinky in the Brain, Freakazoid, Animaniacs.
1: Steven Spielberg presents. It feels a
0: lot like that's what this is. Yeah.
1: Yeah I, and that's that would explain how he's able to make movies like at the frequency that he does yeah. Yeah. because like BFG just came out like half a year ago or something yeah. and then like there was the year he made like Tintin and Warhorse like within like 3 months and then he yeah. he made a video game too like Boom right. Blocks <laughs> right so i think anybody who thinks that like Ready Player One's gonna be fabulous is lying to themselves. You know who I keep hearing from? People who really like the book and go, oh, I don't know, I think it looks pretty good. It's like, no, you're optimistic, yeah. <laughs> and you shouldn't be
0: because yeah. yeah. they they see a bunch of things in the trailer like, oh, it's a, from a thing I it like. Looks like Minority Report.
1: Know. What they? I, I I don't know what they're talking
0: about. There's, but. A, there's a there's a DeLorean there. Yeah.
1: Mm. <laughs> uh, so. so what? So what is the post about? Uh. Well, the first 45 minutes to an hour okay. is a lot of farting around and having really bad dialogue about, like, you know, a news organization and another news organization down the street called New York Times mm-hmm. that you never see. <laughs> you never see that one. Um, and it sounds yeah. like a lot of interesting stuff is happening. There. Yeah, yeah.
2: they're like the gimbals of the situation. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah
1: they're just street? a couple
3: minutes involved
1: with them. Yeah, actually, it's a lot like that. It's quite, quite like that. Um... You know, there's some like real, like like made for TV movie type stuff about the Vietnam War, mm-hmm. where it feels almost like low budget and crap. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I like and there, there's there's actually literally like him like going through a computer and like the text going across his eyes. Oh yeah, stuff. and he's reading. All, he's like,
0: <laughs> all right, well, let's just for the summary. It's uh, the the release of the Pentagon Papers. Is that yeah. what it is? And um, you know, it's and whether a, whether or not they should publish them.
1: That <laughs> sounds
2: super interesting. So the They're gonna make it wicked boring.
1: Yeah. And to, a, to be clear, it's yeah. not Watergate. It's it's about the, the the general deception of the federal government to the American public about the Vietnam War. Yes. Correct. And 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 I guess Nixon was so tyrannical in his personality and the way he ran things that he kind of had a lot of the news, news organizations in his pocket, and uh, they were all too intimidated to ever run a story about this sort of thing, especially after really damning papers like this were leaked. Yeah. Yes.
0: And so yeah, the. Rep- Reporter, he gets the papers and he's scanning them and then it overlays on his face and he's reading them. It's so, so, so so cliche.
3: Yeah. Like I said, I think I said during watching it, it was, it felt like a lifetime movie. I mean, it had that same, the same shot, uh, the same lighting,
1: the same quality. Oh, and yeah, the lighting, by the way, like there's every single room has uh, light flooding into it. Yeah. Through the windows, and the room is filled with fog. Yeah. And I said that to somebody, and they were like, "Well, it's the '70s. It's the smoke." And I'm like, "No, it's cinematography." Huh. Yeah, don't, it's, be a, it's, don't be annoying. It's kind of like how. Don't excuse this. All these Spielberg movies are shot now. <laughs> yeah. Link, Lincoln and, looked exactly the same. Yeah. Cheese
3: cloth over the lens, too. I mean, mm. really, kind of just everything's every nothing's
1: really sharp. You know. And, and this is what I mean by when I say I think a Spielberg movies are canned. Is I think they're they're ready to go. They're like yeah. off yeah. the assembly line. Mm. Um, Tom, uh, ready, Mery- movie one. Meryl Streep plays the owner of the Washington Post at the time, who inherited it from her dead husband. Um, she and, and Tom Hanks
0: tells you as much. He's like, "Well, you're my publisher and my know, boss." Uh, yeah, it's like dialogue like that, and this is the most brilliant movie that's going to
3: save America. Uh, I mean, and, and I thought he was tremendously underutilized, playing a, a directed to play a gravelly voiced. He has a cartoon, voice. Of, um, that I mean, cartoon he, voice. Tom
1: Hanks' performance in this is is. Um, shame, shameful. <laughs> it's astounding. It's, it's a bad. disgrace.
0: I think this is the worst acting I've he's, seen. Him do.
1: He's literally like, yeah. Well, what should we do about the post? <laughs> <laughs> it literally <laughs> is. It's, it's, it's post. I don't know who approved it.
3: Uh, and not only that, but Meryl Streep plays this wishy-washy woman, which I mean. <clears throat> the, I don't think the original the the character she was playing was supposed to come off that wishy washy. She's so kind of just like, like breathy, okay. breathy and nervous, like, oh should we publish? Um yes we should <laughs> yes we should. And like, the whole crux of the movie is kind of like the the you know, is she gonna decide
1: to publish these or not? And it's it comes off like a whim. Like, yeah, oh, it does. It comes I'm off just as a do whim. Like, Like, it's almost like it could have gone either way. Yeah. Um, And and she didn't really care either way.
2: There was no, like, defining moment where it was like, oh, we have to do this because blah, blah, blah. She
1: ends up feeling pressured, uh, morally pressured by her own, you know, where she's like, "I, I think we ought to. But there is the moment where she said, let's do it. It, it almost feels the slightest bit. Flip,
2: uh, flip. <laughs> like like they yeah. shot it both ways and decided later which <laughs> they would <were> do. <doing. laughs>
1: and so naturally Nixon was going to go after them for that. And the sort of the last half hour, which is very rushed, is about it's a First Amendment Supreme Court ruling. Um, that it was kind of like joint Washington Post and New York Times. Yeah. That and
2: also th- sounds like a more interesting.
1: And by the way, we spent we spent half the movie in this
3: really slow, boring film about IPOs yeah. and banking and and, like, establishing these characters that you didn't care about and plot lines you didn't care about. And then suddenly we get the interesting stuff in the last 30 minutes, and, and then it's still not that interesting.
0: Yeah, the stakes aren't clear, and it's not like Nick... Uh, they they have these shots of, like, Nixon's silhouette, and they play the tapes. It's
1: such cheeseball. He, yeah, he's, like... He, like You're looking through the White House window, and he's, like, head to... Ca- yeah. like, back of the head to the camera. It like, you never like, see his on face. On the, he's talking on the phone, and you hear, like, the... Like, I don't like this New
0: York Times. It's not even about the Post. New York Times, <laughs> and, yeah. and it's, like... It it doesn't feel like if there was some other pressure, any sort of thing that made it feel like there
1: was a real risk. It should have been a documentary. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) it's not a because to dramatize it just makes it goofy looking. Yeah, and yeah, like for some reason Meryl Streep like because she is in like period drama costume. Like, like, everybody's like, oh, we got to go out and see that. Like, she's going to uh, do a real commanding performance. I'm like, no, she's boring. It was actually one of her worst performances. It. Yeah, yeah it's so phoned in. And uh, and then
2: at the end... And well, you see, that was like... Was it Natalie Portman who played Jackie O? Yeah. It was, it was a horrible At least she was
1: bold. She was over the top in that. She yeah. was like... Doing her real Jackie O voice. Yeah. But at the at the end, there's almost n- comparable to Tom Hanks's. Yeah, one. yeah, yeah. Just cartoonish. <laughs> but at, at the end, there's that line that you see in every trailer, which is a, uh, you know, uh, uh, journalism is the first draft of history, and you know, so it's. <laughs> Roll. And of course, if you watch like any of the press, it's all about like, oh, this movie was really we we thought this movie was really important to make because Trump doesn't like the news. And It's like, but it's not comparable. He's not suing anybody. No, it's, he's not. It's, it's yeah. not even close. There's nothing
0: that even even relates
3: to it's like, it. I, I know.
1: know. Like.
0: You know, you could, you could probably make a good movie that has a commentary on Trump, but this is not the movie. No.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um it, 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 was, it was a movie that came out of a, a cheese factory.
0: Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm asking your advice, Bob, not your permission. She you
0: can't do this. The legacy of the company is
3: at stake. What will happen? If we don't publish, we will lose. The country will lose.
4: What are you going to do, Mrs. Graham? All
1: right. Well, so my my next least favorite, personally, but you're not going to agree, was Phantom Thread. Uh, Yeah, the the supremely pretentious Paul Thomas Anderson. Yes,
0: it's um, about a um, a famous dress designer, and he... Played uh, by Daniel Day-Lewis. Played by Daniel Day-Lewis. He's... Is
2: it? Is this based on a true story, or is this a made-up... Is it based on a true story? I do not know. I think it's made
0: up. Yeah, I think it's made up. So, it's, it's made up. In this world, he's a famous uh, dress designer, and he's very concentrated on his, on his work. He Apparently...
2: In London in the 50s, yes. I didn't, I didn't yes. get this from the actual film. I got this from the internet later. Oh, I see.
0: But he's he's very uh, you know very orderly, very much like uh, likes things a certain way, and then he falls in love with this uh, this woman. And it's it's hinted that he's like gone through women all the time because he's so hard to to deal with, because he's so focused on order and his, his work. Yeah, the obsession. beginning of the movie is him getting bored with his current girl and kind of ditching yeah. her. And then um, and then this woman comes in and. You know, falls in love with him, but gets quickly annoyed that he's so uh, picky. Picky, and then poisons him, and then he gets <laughs> falls in love with her, and it's it's pretty crazy. And he has like, m- uh, yeah. mommy
1: issues. Uh, he misses his mom. He misses his mom, so that that's why he's so screwed. So there's
2: up. a ghost mom character. There's a ghost
1: mom. There's character. a ghost mom who I actually thought was was uh, she looked very period to me. Like that was yeah. the one thing I was like, that was kind of cool. Yeah. She she looked like a painting or something. Yeah, yeah,
0: that
3: that uh, was hit. a. Well, let me let me just say the visuals I thought were really really good in this movie, right? I think that that he really he set a, a style and a tone. The dress, the costuming was lovely. Um, it was yeah. really competently shot, but it had a lot of problems.
1: I think he shot it in seventy mil because yeah. he, he's I know he's shot he shot the master in seventy mil. Yeah, um, it definitely had a good texture to it. Paul Thomas Anderson is very hit, hit or miss for me. He's obviously the thing I respect about the guy is he he's never made a movie that he can't stand behind. Yeah, I mean you know he. He's, he's one of our auteurs mm-hmm. that we have. So yeah. you're, you're naturally interested in what he's gonna come out with. But if I'm being totally honest, I'm not really a Boogie Nights guy. I'm not really a Punch Drunk Love guy. Yeah. I'm not really a Magnolia guy. Didn't care about the frogs raining. Like Inherent Vice came out a couple years ago and that was like total dog oh, shit. Yeah. Um, so I, I've never been, like as much as I think I probably respect this guy, yeah. I'm not sure that he and I are on the same, same wavelength. Yeah.
2: Did um, we talk about this was supposed to be Daniel Day-Lewis' last film?
1: Yeah. It's
0: supposed to be. I don't know if I believe him. Yeah. But, he, I mean, he's because he does his, like, shoemaking and woodworking in his real life, so maybe that's kind of, like, interesting that he's, you know, playing an obsessive uh, Dressmaker, that you know, he's kind of an obsessive person too, because he even takes the craft of acting to the extreme level, right. you know. I
3: mean, but this movie definitely had, I thought, problems. Um, yes, it, it had, it had, it was uh, two hours, ten minutes, and it really could have lost 40 of those.
0: I, I agree um, with that. I, I mean, I enjoyed the movie for the most part, but even I felt the time extremely. It was, it's a repetitive movie. I yeah. feel like there's a time when, you know, she poisons him and he gets into the vulnerable state and then, like, falls in love with her again, basically. Uh, And then he could have found out that she poisoned him, like, right after that and the movie could have ended. And and that would have been... I think it probably would have been a fine film, but then it goes on for 40 (laughs) more minutes after that. In fact, I saw that part. I looked at my watch because I'm like, oh, the movie's ending. And I'm like, oh, no, there's 40 minutes left. Yeah, I did the same thing, EJ. I thought that we were
3: coming Mm -hmm. down off the the core of the story.
2: I don't think I understood the characters. Like, it's not... Like, he fell in love with her because she challenged him and was the strong personality. She kind of submits to everything that he wants initially, then decides it's, like, too much, and she's not enchanted by it anymore.
0: I agree with that. I think they didn't develop her as a character as much as they needed to. I think it's pretty obvious that she reminded him of his mother. Yeah. That's that's clear. But for her, I don't see what the draw is. I think eventually, you know, you see that she's, you know, respects him as a dressmaker and, you know, becomes a dressmaker herself. But, like, they didn't show a lot. It's way too subtle. Like,
2: I was very surprised when she made him that dinner and, like, cooked something that she knew he didn't like it that way. And I was yeah. like, where did this come from? Like, when does she decide, like, I'm going to bring you out of your box? Like
1: yeah. I-, I-, I read it as one of those things where, like, she want- she's attracted to his talent, his obsession, and then she wants to dominate it. Or yeah. she wants to become part of it, or she wants to tame it, or something along those lines. Yeah. So it's a little bit Beauty and the Beast. Which but, but I don't another... think they communicated that well, if that was what was going on. No,
3: yeah. there were there were there were more opportunities to get that message really through that the, the movie didn't take.
1: Instead, instead they just spend an inordinate amount of time repeating the same sequences. Yeah, because he
0: he gets annoyed way too often. It's
1: like, well, it's essentially the same scene every time. It's like, if you you could beat out the scene, you'd be like, all right, so, um, he was trying to stay in his zone. Mm. She disrupted him. He gets really aggressive with her. She gets really upset and he doesn't care. Yes. That happened five times. Uh, Yeah. In order. And I'm like, I get it. And as a matter of fact, like, at the beginning of the movie, they established that he does this with girlfriends. Yeah. And so I, I got it car- I got it in 10 minutes. Yeah. So they could um, they kind have of expedited a lot of that. Um and, and then like a lot of it is also is watching him make the dresses and then deliver the dresses to the clients.
3: Yeah, and while that was probably the most visually interesting part of the film for me, just because I was so bored by
0: the rest of the story. <laughs> Um, it, it didn't really we didn't really need to have it. Yeah, there was there was two dresses that were probably pivotal, which was the the, the fat lady who yes. had her wedding dress and they stole it after. Yep. that was pretty pivotal. And then the, and other, wedding the <laughs> other wedding dress so but, I,
3: I, like, uh, uh, the other wedding dress there was but on that second dress right when he collapses because she's poisoned there mm-hmm. he, he damages the dress. We spent four or five minutes of the movie remaking the dress
0: when there was really no reason for the movie to spend yeah. four or five minutes yeah. remaking I, the dress. Yeah, I think they were trying to say it's like, oh, she, so her poisoning had these consequences, but it, I didn't, it didn't need to be in the movie. And, it could have just fallen the other way. It would have been fine.
2: And then they introduce so randomly this idea toward the end of, like, he's not <laughs> chic anymore. Like, he's not popular. Yes. People are going yeah, they, to other dress houses, and, and I'm, then I'm they like... Just, they drop it after that. When did that matter. come into play? Like... Like it would have been nice to know if that was why he was so stressed and and anxious and anal was because he knew that he was losing prowess in his field or I have no idea. But it doesn't help.
1: It doesn't help too that I have no eye for dresses or for this. Like I don't even know what I'm looking at. Like I
2: I found the fabric and the colors and the dresses lovely. Like I think
1: like the the first client that came out, like the very first one, which I think was supposed to establish the gorgeousness Mm. and the beauty of what he did. I was like, it looks ugly to me. Like I, I I don't know. I don't.
3: Yeah, I mean Close the wedding dress head. at the end was very lovely. I yeah. Thought. yeah, but I don't know the first thing about
0: it. That's what's frustrating to me because I, I did like the I like the character, the main character. I like that obsessive personality. It reminds me of a lot of people I know. Yeah, and I I, I, I like agree. I like the idea of like having somebody who is so into order and then somebody who like kind of brings out his vulnerabilities. I like that story, and so it's frustrating to me that it's bogged down by so many things. Yeah,
1: yeah, it was it was a tough set. Yeah. Like there was nothing about like t- I, I've, I think I've said this in the past, but like movies are supposed to be like I'm supposed to be on the edge of my seat. I'm supposed to be wanting more information that I currently don't have that the, the storyteller is withholding from me, and then feeding me uh, it's rate right. one piece at a time. And and instead, this was just like yeah, I know. Yes, like, yes. And <laughs> like yeah. And then finally, we get to an ending that was sort of interesting.
2: The yeah. sister likes her for no reason? Yeah. That, like all, I, I all I, I, those I, underdeveloped it, characters.
1: That need
0: to be, I think, yeah, the relationship with the sister need to be a little more developed. You know, it, it's a brilliantly crafted boar fest. But. Yeah,
2: I recommend it. I definitely recommend it. <laughs> with this. a lot of really underdeveloped thoughts. There's some weird, like, racism for a moment where they're like, whatever country she's from when they go oh, to, like, that yeah. dinner yeah. party. Yeah. Lots of little pieces that, like, they never pick up or do anything with. Yeah. If you like that, if you like to maybe imagine <laughs> a different film that includes those things. I recommend this screensaver
0: yes it's a very beautiful (laughs) dress screensaver
4: all your rules and your clothes and all this money and everything is a game this was an
0: ambush stop are you sent here to ruin my evening
4: and possibly my entire life stop it whatever you do do it
1: carefully Next up for me is Lady Bird, then. So let's, uh, uh, let's summarize. quickly summarize the plot. Well, that'll be tough. <laughs> well, yeah. it, it's just a, a kind
3: of a, a couple minutes, a couple months in a teenage girl's life. Meandering teenage
2: girlhood. To enter
3: uh, college, right? Yeah. It's really just looking at her life uh, at the end of kind of her senior year into the very beginning of college.
0: It takes place in like early 2000s.
3: Yeah,
1: early 2000s. And she's a uh, she's a bit of an unachiever.
3: yeah but still enough
0: achiever to get into college and go to college,
1: right. Yeah, like and, so
0: many kids. And, that, and right. take out a bunch of student loans. It's, it's a very frustrating movie because it reminds me of a lot of people I went to school with.
2: She's got quite yeah. the ego on her. She believes that she can get into college and go to all these good schools even though she detests her own school and doesn't try. and.
3: She in fact does get into the school in a, in a state she wants to get to. She, she wants to go to a school far away from home, she does. Um, she has a couple of boyfriends, one's gay and one's a jerk, and you know, that's okay. Yeah.
1: So my number one complaint about this movie,
0: it, because that really is it.
3: Like it's it, it's uh,
1: a coming-of-age tale,
0: classic coming-of-age well, tale.
1: Well, but most, most coming-of-age tales, you can, you can boil the themes down to something. There's a central idea... So I think Phantom Thread. One of the good things about it is it has a central idea, which is this idea of obsession um, and of um, strength and being vulnerable, em- yeah, and being emotionally closed and that sort of thing. I don't know what the central idea in this movie is.
3: No, I I don't think it has a central idea. I think it just kind of it it, it did
1: feel to me though like we were getting a perspective on on this girl's life. Though. Even the Post has a central idea. It's yeah. like speaking truth to power and uh, journalistic integrity. This is just like. Um, be alive
0: yeah well I, I i think there's a moment where she, i think she's talking to her mom uh played by roseanne's sister right um <laughs> uh, where she's like oh what if this is like what if i'm like this is all i can be basically like and i think that's the theme of So the sta- movie. stagnation maybe yeah like what if i can't get better than a totally awful person <laughs> yeah I mean, there's
3: a couple small themes like like relationships one's relationship with your parents in high her school.
2: relationship with her friends yeah, there her there's a little bit of her coming to appreciate people she didn't appreciate yeah and the, that's, that's but like they kind, arc of to kind of set up. throw it away with that last scene in New York.
1: they're all little tiny arcs though there's nothing there's no big overarching story I, my my I would say the theme is <laughs> also the thing that I would describe the film as which is unfocused yes being unfocused um I found a lot of this so this is supposed to take place at a time that I went to high school yeah so you can't be telling me that like I don't get it because I'm too old and yeah this is this is, this
0: is everybody in my generation was raving about this yeah because I think it's supposed to speak to that
1: well I found it I found some of the ways that the kids were interacting with one another like incoherent at times yeah. Was like I don't even know, like I don't know what they're meaning to communicate to one another. See, I didn't get, I didn't get that particular thing from it. I thought, all, I thought it was actually fairly honest in terms of its characters. Mm-hmm. I thought it was, it was. It, yeah, I agree. I, with I you thought completely. it was a little too cute. One moment she's like, like throwing herself out of a moving car. The next moment, there's nothing like that in the rest of the film. Yeah, no, nothing that, That's true. Nothing that extreme. And then like, it's like, I don't, who cares that her boy, that her, her love interest is gay? That doesn't go. It doesn't. Any, it doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't no. go anywhere. And so it's now. I happen to know that the filmmaker. I haven't seen any of her other work, but she. I know that she. Um, she mumblecore was her genre before oh, yes. this, yeah. Yes, yes. You know, which is for those who don't know, it's like um, sort of in you know probably around like twenty ten. When, when digital filmmaking became somewhat the norm, it's, it's about like, it, it's kind of like our cinema verte of yeah. today. It's like, mul- very natural naturalistic. ways of speaking. Yeah. Uh, and I kind of like that style a little bit. It's, yeah. it's, it's obviously, it's sort of like a pejorative. People don't respect that genre so much anymore, and people don't really make it either. But yeah.
3: well, um, I think this movie embodied a lot of that, though. How about I mean. a
1: narrative? But I, I don't think yeah. it did.
0: I think it was a little theatrical in a way. Like, mm. I don't think. They were talking naturally, like I don't think they were, I think it was uh, like I said, I think it was a little too cute. They would have all these little like clever exchanges. and I'm wondering what the
1: point is. yes. I'm, I, I'm left wondering like, uh, what was I supposed to have taken away from that film. Uh, I know I, I sound really negative, but it's only because we're going in reverse order. No, yes. I know. Uh,
3: and I, but I, I actually like this film more than you did, I think. I, I would put this a couple steps up higher on my list. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the things that I liked about it is I, I liked the characters. I thought the characters felt pretty real and well-written, even though there wasn't a lot of plot to to kind of hang any, any story on. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it, it felt real to me, having grown up
1: in that time. I thought, I, I didn't have that big a problem with it. Okay. I mean, at least it went by somewhat fast. Yeah,
2: I, I, was, I, wasn't, I wasn't angry at the film so much. I think they developed a lot of the characters. I think I just didn't like who the characters were, and I, I don't know how real I found them. I didn't find them developed. But it wasn't, I don't know, it wasn't throwing the curveballs at me that the other films were. What do you think the appeal of this movie is?
0: Because it has, like, 100% Rotten Tomatoes or something. There
1: must be some kind of... Um... Is it just because
0: on the Rotten Tomatoes scale, like enough people didn't dislike it? Is that the thing? Man, Rotten Tomatoes
1: is becoming annoying because, like, the basically, if you're politically left, you believe that there are alt-right, armies of alt-right bots that are flooding the critic reviews. And if you're... I have no idea. <laughs> th- th- This is something that has been accused of, like, The Last Jedi, for instance. Oh. The, the reason the critic reviews are so low is because of alt-right bots. I, I thought it was because right? people didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> um, and and uh, uh, if you're politically right, you believe... That Rotten Tomatoes, that, that, that critics in general, people that work in the critics industry are politically biased and they're going to champion even bad movies if it says mm-hmm. the thing that they want to say. So mm-hmm. so I almost feel like you, go to, like you go to that website and you don't even know what the hell you're getting.
3: Yeah. I don't even go to that. I mean, I, I tend to stay away from review sites well movies now because of no stuff like yeah. that.
1: But I think the thing
3: that... that people claim to like about this movie is it evokes some nostalgia of a time period that's a little bit gone by now Um, it it evokes characters and situations that people had in high school even if it's not being particularly accurate about it Mm -hmm. or or it evokes concepts even from like TV shows of that era like there were some very 90210 plot elements or Melrose Place plot elements in it do you think that was on purpose I think it was I think it was intentional I think they were trying to evoke that in the the film in the the moment but that's 90s though
1: yeah, 90s
2: are well but, that, but that's and coming around that's coming around the corner. Right now we're all very nostalgic for the 80s. Maybe this film is trying to get in when the 90s this and sound, 2000s this sounds this sounds down.
1: like when like like Star Wars theorists or like George Lucas meant to do something insane. It's uh, like there's no way he did. No, oh, I'm not saying it's it's anything the that ring positive. The ring theory theory of Ladybird in the ring theory of Ladybird. <laughs> the Lady um <laughs> yeah, look, I, it's obviously not for me. I it, you asked me what I think the appeal is. I think that there must be a lot of people that relate to the character.
4: Um, and
1: I don't yeah, um, I'm a conscientious person who uh, who works hard. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't get her, and I, I certainly don't find her funny.
4: Yeah.
1: Um. There was that scene where she's like, "I'm gonna make a lot of money, and I'm gonna pay you back for everything that you know," because her mom kept evoking. Yeah. yeah,
3: again, a cliche kind of t- television show idea. Right?
1: N- yeah, and not to mention, I'm like, "But this is not a person who would go make a lot of money." Just yeah. Like that'd be kind of interesting if she really was that yeah. person. Yeah. The kind of it person came became that person. That'd be cool, like, comes back with a bunch of cash, <laughs> like, He it puts it on
0: Roseanne's sister's desk.
1: <laughs> Roseanne's wither.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I want you to be the
4: very best version of yourself that you can be.
2: What if this is the best version?
1: Next for me, in terms of what I disliked the most, <laughs> this is a good scale. Uh, is *The Shape of Water*. Who, who wants to
3: give that a summary? No, I, I can, I can try, right? Um, right. If, if you'd like, mm-hmm. um, a, a woman is lonely and she's she can't talk and yeah. she fucks a fish. <laughs>
2: A woman feels incomplete because she is mute and is lonely and works janitorial services. And at, immediately wants to fuck this. At a high security. <laughs> like,
0: like she barely even sees it, and she's like hornily, like like waltzing up to the tank, putting her her,
1: her, 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 her ovaries all over the tank. I'm surprised the mutes of America haven't protested the movie to be like, we don't all fuck fish. Well, just uh, a few of us.
2: First of all, it turns, it turns out she was actually a fish anyway. That's she was mute, so oh it's not. God, that whole
1: she's thing. a real. She's a. That's
2: fish. what the scars on her neck were. Oh, she was yeah, yeah, found yeah, by did. the river. I knew
1: that. So She was actual. It uh, does make
0: a lot more sense. <laughs> I didn't even get that because I was care. so bored.
1: Yeah, well, that's the problem. Is these movies lull you to sleep, and then, <laughs> and, then and then and then some jackass comes not that you're a jackass, but some, <laughs> somebody somebody comes along. And it's like no, there was some critical plot element. I'm like, fish, you expected me to
2: notice anything? And the fish is not a fish. Okay, he's a god, and he makes her feel whole.
1: So so let me just
3: say I did like the aesthetic of the film to begin with at the start. Because I can de- I, I love a good movie that really brings you into its visual. Language. I
2: enjoyed all the rain. When yeah. the rain started, I was like, this is beautiful and it yes. sounds great.
3: I, I liked I like the over the old theater aesthetic that was kind of appealing to me. But it really went downhill when we start to meet the characters, right? Yeah. We start we meet the the st- kind of stereotypical gay but not that gay artist guy who Why is he in the movie? questionably who has, an, who has an, to be a friend who was an to alcoholic and friend. lost his
2: job yeah. in advertising. Yeah, we didn't because, need
0: any of that because it's supposed now. to be a movie about freaks and they're all banding together. Yeah, you, got gay, you got the gay, you got the mute, you got the Russian. It's like, it's
2: like look, we all agree that gay people should be able to be with whoever they want, so now we have to agree that this woman can be with a fish man.
3: Yeah, and not only that, but there were, this movie had had a couple... Uh, some of the moments I hated most about this movie were, were the the racism is, is bad thing, right? And I'm not even sure like why that was a motif in this fish fucking movie. No, yeah. I'm not sure either. When, I, I hate when movies use racism to, to tell you a character.
2: Uh, th- this movie had the supreme racist, sexist, rapist white male this guy. villain. White male Christian. It, military <laughs> was, man he, ever. It was
1: played by Michael Shannon. This okay. character was so mustache twirling and over the top it really made me question Guillermo del Toro's judgment.
3: Just, it would have actually made the movie a lot more interesting if he had been more kind of gray area and nuanced. Because oh, yeah. yeah. and, and he, he had the opportunity yeah. to through they, the writing.
2: And they started to show his wife and his children and I was like oh maybe this will be yeah. like a fairly and deep character. That would have character. been a much more
3: interesting approach to his character and it wouldn't have been much work to Get there.
0: Also, casting Michael Shannon as the villain—that's groundbreaking casting right there. Never been done before. Yeah, right.
1: Yeah, like he's, hes gonna come in there and be a little bit perverted and weird. And like, there's like the scene where he's having sex with his wife like too aggressively. Yeah, and he's like covering her and mouth. And I, and why? He—he
2: why he, he, he wants her to be silent because he's attracted to the mute woman. Uh it's
0: it's it's it's. Is that what that
2: was? Yes. Yes. yes.
1: <laughs> and um, why? Because he's bad. And of course he's like, I want to kill that fish. I want to kill the fish because <laughs> I'm I want to cut like him open. And she's
2: like, no, don't kill my fish. I need to fuck him.
0: <laughs> we but she's signing
2: it. And then there's and there's a Russian spy who cares about science more than Russia. And, and can I no just reason? say
3: one thing about the film that really pissed me off? So there's, there's a scene, to spoil it completely for you, where, the, where they have sex in a bathroom, above the theater.
2: Oh, my.
1: And the
3: bathroom fills with water.
1: Easily my favorite scene, by the way. That's your favorite scene? <laughs> I thought it was kind, at least... Whimsical? Kind of, yeah, it was something. It was like... like it, it made my imagination run a little bit. It was disastrously yeah. awful. I mean... Well, I mean, obviously, the, it was practically... You know, it, it, it would do much more damage than it even did in the movie. Yeah. yeah. There's
2: um, no way
3: that ceiling could hold... Every, yeah,
2: yeah. Um, I the give water the movie props... Deep. I give them maybe the props though for kind of setting up her interest in the fish. So this is why she's interested in the fish to begin with, because she masturbates in the tub all the time. Yeah. They kind yeah. of set that up by I thought it was like she it was, was a fish,
0: and then what she has it? like <laughs> eggs all over the place when she's masturbating. I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, and then she eats like these
3: eggs very sensually all the time. That she feeds him eggs. Very and
2: eggs are hard boiled eggs are the least it's a sensual film food about ever. Beautiful
0: people. And then there's um, Octavia Spencer who plays the help again. <laughs> the help. <laughs> by the way, my favorite character in the film. Really? Abby, because no one else is is that
3: even
1: close to interesting. But I mean, she was canned Octavia Spencer. Yes. yes. Yeah, she's, 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 she's
2: kind of just like, girl, what are you doing?
1: Yeah, I yeah, did yeah. open a can. There's then, literally a scene. Go ahead. Yeah, she,
0: the mute describes where the penis comes from. Well, because Octavia's like, where does the penis come from? Does she have a penis? And she's like, boop. And, 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 and,
1: and describes, I guess, a she's penis. And she's like,
0: oh. Uh-uh. And she goes, women, uh, men got secrets.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then they giggle. <laughs> I'm like, you're talking about like a fish's weird, <laughs> weird, retracted penis. What's um, going on in this movie? Yeah. Not that I'm, look, I'm not turned off by weirdness. In fact, I actually, <laughs> I actually, I actually didn't think it was weird enough in a lot of ways. Like yeah. that Michael Shannon thing was too cheesy and ridiculous. You know, I guess that was if there was one thing I really hated about the movie, it was the Michael Shannon thing. Yeah. Because yeah. to have a character like that, shows me that like you you're like tone deaf or something. Yeah.
3: Yeah. You you don't you don't trust your own movie to to you don't trust your audience to let the, them determine which character Did this character movie
1: even is. need a villain? No. I don't think. Like so. is there a reason to have no, a villain? No, they they, they
2: could have just been trying to save the creature. Like the yeah. creature yeah. through yeah. no one's It could have just been a free intent. willy situation, you know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and a free fucking.
2: I I did, I did think it was a sexy free willy. Yeah. Oh man, that
1: would have been great if they were like hold me <laughs> like a river Jordan. But, but. <laughs> and he jumps over the mute, but his his little dick, his little dick comes out. <laughs> and I would then say to you, mm. Octavia okay, oh, Spencer? I apologize yeah. for talking about this stuff in front of you.
0: So there's gonna be filmic evidence, and you're gonna find it one day. <laughs> I'm like, Oh God! What was he doing? Um, but Guillermo del Toro, I do like his style.
1: He's, a, he's brilliant. When
0: yeah. my like I started watching the movie, my brain was turned off and I was very enchanted. Yes, um, I was too. But then as the movie progressed, my brain started turning on and pissing me off. And
2: yeah. yeah. it just I mean, soured the whole thing. I agree with Frankie, mainly with that villain piece. Like I, I could have bought a lot of the other characters and kind of went on their ride and, and seen how they were interacting. But adding that villain in and then having him just... And he wasn't in a negligible amount of the movie.
1: Yeah, he was,
0: he was all over the Very yeah. persistent force.
3: And
2: a constant, a constant, constant threat to everybody, yeah.
3: Yeah, and every time we see him, he's being an asshole and a jerk.
1: Yeah, an asshole and a jerk. That's what I thought about the fish fucking movie.
4: <laughs>
3: what is he saying? Don't do this. Oh God, he's not even human.
4: If I told you about her, What would I say? I wonder.
1: Um, Next up is The Darkest Hour. Gary Oldman plays... uh, you know, Ernest Borgnine, Winston, Winston
4: Churchill.
3: In, in the moments uh, as you're, as England is entering the war, just as it's beginning
1: to enter the war. So it is an origin story for Winston Churchill because yeah. it shows him rising to prime minister. Yes. Even
2: though he's quite old by then, has been in politics for a long time. Yeah, he
1: becomes prime minister
3: on the back of this because there's a scandal that the other man, um, you know, it was the way he was mishandled.
1: Neville Chamberlain. Uh, yeah,
3: and he's, he's dying secretly. Oh, good
1: job, Nina. Neville Chamberlain. Um,
3: Ernest Bergnine. <laughs> and this, this movie was kind of interesting to me because it's, it's one of those historical films, and we get one of these every year, a historical film that's not particularly accurate about the character you're telling the story about, that's got some saccharine moments that never happened, like when he goes to meet the people
1: in the train. That
2: would have been a better documentary because it's a fascinating time period. But, yes. but there are tons of fascinating documentaries about it, so why make it unless you're going to win an Oscar? Uh, yeah. I will say this.
1: I didn't think the movie was some big piece of shit. No. I, I, I thought, like, look, if, um, if I was in history class... And, and, the, and the movie was largely accurate and the teacher popped it on for like a break to give us a little break before Christmas break or something yeah. Yeah, fine. I'd be like okay yeah. Like this is this is good medicine. But
2: what about <laughs> but what about every time they went back to the House of Parliament and it was dimly lit with the smoky yeah, lenses? It's totally cheap. And they're all like every time
1: cut with
3: with that 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 thing that they set up about the 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 handkerchief on the leg. Yeah, and like then finally at the end he kind of looks at wipes his mouth. Yeah, and wipes his mouth, and everyone goes.
0: I, oh, it's, just, it's just corny and lame yeah. I did it, think it, it, it was too dark there wasn't enough color like it was like oh, it, was just, gray. it was like browns yeah. browns and blacks yeah and that's it and browns um, and, and, and they, it glorifies him as a man it doesn't talk about his alcoholism
3: they, they
2: they hint at the son's alcoholism when, yeah. when they're with like the family they're like we get through it the, the best ways we can and yeah. the son's and like that, drinking I'm that's like
0: that's it and and I don't I don't think it's oh, a seven. I don't think it's an especially good
2: performance.
1: But. No, it's no. Ha- it's hammy.
3: I actually thought that that it, that John Lithgow in The Crown did a much better Winston yes. Churchill than this guy did. And I think
1: um,
0: as uh, royal like drama goes, I think that's a better. The Crown is way better. Was yeah. better uh, drama. yeah, mm-hmm. English costume drama. That's better. Yeah. Also a uh, movie from a few years ago The King's Speech is a better oh, Yeah, uh, yes, it uh, is. film about that
1: era. Yeah, that's right. Well, cuz the king who's played by General Krennick from ro- ro- from <laughs> yeah. Rogue One, he's he's portraying King George the 8th or something. It's it's the same king that's portrayed in The King's Speech. Yeah, which was better played in that movie by that guy. For <laughs> sure,
2: the current Queen Elizabeth's Colin father. Her. Yeah. But uh, for sure,
1: but uh, but also I would say that um That like the King's speech is an example of of somebody going through something human during historical events, which tends to make for better narrative. Um, And it I also thought the King's speech had a lot more just kind of directorial vision. There was uh, the 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 set design, the, uh, the the cinematography. Um, the ways that the performances were directed, yeah. it all had a lot more vision. Yeah. This this felt like um, we're gonna make that cheesy historical drama Oscar movie in a dusty yes. closet. And in they, a dusty and, closet. And they,
0: there is a lot of like Oscar chewing the scenery, screaming. Like, yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Like he's 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 blown his lid all the time and, and yeah. chewing people. Out. Yeah. Like chewing chewing secretaries out and you know walking
1: naked. Was, was he
2: was he nominated for performance?
0: Yes. He's, and he's probably going to win too. Really? Well, that's the that's the you know. The the rumor that, and it's probably because Gary Oldman's been a fixture of
1: Hollywood. It's, it's like time one to one give one. him one.
2: Because he didn't get it for Dracula, we yeah, gotta yeah. give it to
1: him. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. What is it like if he had one performance? Is it a uh, Sid and Nancy? Is it, which one would it be? Dracula. <laughs>
0: He is really on the Dracula boat. Man in Planet of the Apes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the bad guy in Air Force One.
0: <laughs> Leon the Professional doesn't he do the mm.
1: everyone? I mean, he is impressive. He he vanishes into his roles yes. and um, he's great, but. Not this time. No,
0: I could see the I could see the Gary Oldman scenes, uh, seams. Yeah. For
1: once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't actually vanish into the Dracula hairdo. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and instead of him portraying like you know an, an ailing Winston Churchill, I'm like, oh, Gary Oldman doesn't look so good. I hope he's okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I guess I guess the worst thing
1: I can say about this movie is I have very little to say about this movie. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's the thing, is it? Like,
1: it didn't inspire the same amount of fury as some of the other Oh, things. no.
2: You know what we have to say about this movie? It kept making you want to go watch Dunkirk. Yeah. Like, there's a more yes. interesting movie happening on the other yeah. side of the.
0: the Christopher water. Nolan's film. He was talking about Christopher Nolan's film throughout the movie, and you wanted him to cut to it.
1: You know what would be a really fun thing to do? <laughs> is intercut between Dunkirk King's speech and <laughs> Darkest Hour. And I, like, I, like I would watch cut. the shit out of that.
3: That would be pretty cool, actually. Yeah. We should fight in the fields and in the streets we shall fight in the hills we shall never surrender for without
1: victory there can be no survival I, I put this. I categorize this as not good, mm. but it's it's my favorite of the not goods. Mm. Uh, is three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, which John keeps referring to it as three billboards outside Billings, Billings Montana. Montana.
2: <laughs> I guess it doesn't really matter though if it's not based on a true story. Right it now.
0: does sound very much like a like a based on true yeah. history. Like, yeah. Like it's I don't know, like a lynching happened.
2: Do, you, do you think they want you to get that feeling? I they want so. to slightly so. mislead you.
1: I researched it. So the to summarize quickly. Um, Francis McDormand, uh, a mainstay of Cohen Brothers films, uh, plays a mother whose daughter was killed and raped a year prior. No arrests have been made, and she's starting to feel like the the, the small town cops have given up entirely. So she rents out some cheap billboard space um, to put up big damning messages about the police. To which to,
2: which totally does happen. There's there's yeah. there's been billboards in New Bedford for years about this.
1: to try to uh, get more public attention because. Which she's read that if there's more public attention on the crime, then there's more likelihood that the criminal will be caught. Now, doesn't that sound like a really interesting movie? Because that sounds, that this movie like, was
0: not. That sounds like <laughs> the premise of a great thriller. Yes, where you're a whodunit thriller, and you're going to be on the edge of your seat the whole time. And it fucking is. We've got yeah. some
3: mustache twirlers. Well, let me let me just say, uh, I, and you can finish. Your, I'll let you finish your summary. But this movie for me was my. There was just above the Phantom Thread in terms of how much I I, I disliked this movie. Yeah.
1: A lot, yeah, and EJ um, did too. I did. Yeah, I, I, but go, go. So yeah, well, it basically becomes kind of a, an ad lib from there. Yeah. Um, the chief of police, played by Woody Harrelson, um, is like a like a favorite in the town. He's well respected because she, she calls him out directly in the billboards. Um, for her to do that is, is makes her reputation trash. Um, Sam and he's dying of cancer, and he's dying of cancer, and everybody knows that. Uh, Sam Rockwell plays a racist, um, angry, mustache-twirling cop. That's at the station. And um, basically, it's just about the interplay between these characters. Um, you know, to spoilers, Woody Harrelson kills himself. That complicates the plot a little bit. Doesn't she date for no reason? She dates Peter Dinklage for absolutely no reason at all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, they made it about him being like a dwarf, but I think it's probably just because they cast him. Yeah. I think they probably originally wrote it to, to be like an unattractive, yes. like, hillbilly. Yes. Um, so, I don't know. The movie is all over the place. and and But worst of all... um. When Woody Harrelson kills himself, he has suicide notes for everybody who mattered to him. And Sam Rockwell gets one. And he basically says, don't be a villain anymore. And he just decides to stop being a villain. And he decides to start helping her solve the case. And at the end of the movie, they're, like, going on a road trip together as best friends. As far as him being a racist, that ends up being completely irrelevant. There really is no race element in in the movie. And I'm kind of mad that they just brought it up. It
0: felt very pandering, pandering. like... Because there's there's like a black police chief, and that's about it. And then um, and they, but they don't they ultimately it. treat him with respect because they have to. Um, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. no, and they don't really go anywhere with that threat. You know, Frances McDermott just brings it up, <laughs> Dermid, Dermid. I mean, one of the things <laughs> just I- brings it up for no reason. She's like, Yeah, oh, you don't like black people," and it, it it sounds as pandering as that, you know. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah, that sounds a lot like The Shape of Water, where it's like, let's just throw everything at this villain and make him horrible. Yeah,
0: uh, yeah, and he, they kind of, like, imply that he's closeted gay, and it's like they throw every hammy thing, and they're, they're saying he's going to win Best Supporting Act.
1: There's also, like, a, there's a character that shows up at her shop and it strongly implies that he's the rapist and yeah, killer. Yeah, but he's not. he films. just he's not. He just burned and raped some other wim, woman and talked about it. And it's, he talks about it openly. It makes... It really is... Um, but uh, the thing I do want the thing that I think is most important to talk about with this movie is there is really tone deaf interplay between the drama and comedy Yeah. yeah. and I don't I, I before people go oh you just can't handle a dramedy I can handle a dramedy no, I've seen I, a few movies in
3: my life I think what that uh, comes out of Frankie is the fact that this tries so hard and fails so badly to be a Coen Brothers film um, it, it in a way all the way through. It's got it's got all the Coen Brothers actors. It's got Carter Burtwell doing the score. It's got the, the the styling, but it doesn't have the deftness of of shot choice, of of moving the story forward, of directing the acting. I mean, if you look at that every frame of painting where it talks about, um, you know, how the Coen brothers do their films and how without the Coen brothers, even if it's written by them, how different it is. That's a, yeah. a great, a yes. real scene from that. But this felt so wanting to be
0: that and falling so short. It, it, it's um, a good Coen brothers film snowballs. Like, it's a snowballing effect throughout the the film. This was almost like it it it, something happened it like, started off really. It, big. If something happened, then it does something to lower the stakes. Yes. There's a the concept in improv where uh, you don't ever want to lower the stakes. You want if you say, "Oh, I've cut off my arm," you don't want to say. The other character can't be like, oh, no, you didn't. Or, oh, no, it grew back. Like, you don't want to do that. You want to yeah. constantly be snowballing and yeah. and and getting the stakes risen. And that's what co- a good Coen Brothers movie does. And this almost does the, you know, the Last Jedi thing. is like, we're going to subvert your expectations at every turn. And in doing so, demean the narrative. And yeah. d- demean the narrative. And it just goes nowhere. It's just like, oh, I blew up the police station, but it
1: doesn't really matter. It also has that <laughs> and then, and then, and then yeah. problem where like if it, it feels more like he if it, it feels like the writer came back to it once a week mm-hmm. and then like added like a few pages and then left yeah, and then yeah. came back and added a few pages and left like he uh there's it doesn't feel to me like and then or uh therefore because but mm-hmm. um yeah and, and and but as far as the handling of the scenes and the comedy and the drama like I was talking about it's more like the, the the joke wasn't very good. It was, yeah. al- it was almost like it was performed bad or it wasn't the timing wasn't good or it just wasn't that... And then there's like dramatic music under it. So it was doing like a dramatic thing and now there's a joke though and then the whole scene... It, and the scene's shot a little boring anyway so it's not drawing my attention in any kind of interesting way and the whole thing just ends up feeling mismanaged. Yeah. yeah. And it felt like that happened a lot.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, like, again, like I love a good dark comedy but this sometimes was trying to be a super realistic drama and then it does something like really corny and really out of place dark humor and then that didn't land yeah um, so Frankie this isn't that far down so what did you enjoy about the film
1: I guess it was like um so unlike something like the post that in no way did each scene draw me in so or phantom thread where I just I felt like I was in I, I, like naked in the desert <laughs> I was like I have no idea when there's gonna be water mm-hmm. I don't know what's going like while I thought that the movie was generally mismanaged, at least the characters were seemed to care about what they were saying. The scenes were short enough. Sometimes there was cause and effect. It's like when the, the, the chief of police kills himself... And Sam Rockwell, like, bolts it towards the guy who sold her the billboards and he throws them out the window. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's an interesting scene, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, it's just, I don't know, things are happening, at least. They're they're, they're at times incoherent. Yeah, Um, that's for sure. They're at least happening. So Mm -hmm. I thought, like, if you made me watch any one of these again and it, like, I landed on this one, I wouldn't cry. This
2: reporter for one hopes this finally puts an end to the strange saga. ...of the three billboards outside...
3: just then put an end to shit, you fucking retard. This is just a fucking start. Why don't you put that on your good morning, Missouri, fucking wake-up broadcast, bitch? You
1: um, are too late. All right, so now we're going to... The next three movies I liked. Okay.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, hello. Uh, so Call Me By Your Name. It, it, it's a, a beautifully shot movie in a beautiful location... And it's about a young gay man who (laughs) lives with uh, his Italian-American Jewish family. And his father's an archaeologist professor. And Army Hammer is a grad student who comes to live with them. And he's a little bit older than the the gay son. Uh, The son who's not out, by the way. Over the summer, the two of them find themselves falling in love and having a lot of sex. (laughs) And uh, Army Hammer, the older one, doesn't really want to come out. And the, the younger one, he's got hippie parents, so he doesn't really care. And that's kind of it. They, they eventually become estranged after the end of the summer, and it's kind of about loss. It's about being young and in love, and and losing something you had. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, I, I think that. So this is this is a gay film, right? This is a film, a gay topic. Wicked gay. Uh, and it is. It's. There's. There's only a few ways that these stories can end, right? There's only a couple ways. Either like. One one of them you know, us, like somebody comes between them, the parents, right, or know.
2: they meet up at a diner years later, yeah. yeah,
3: they meet up at a diner years later, like moonlight, moonlight. Uh, or they're separated by time. This, I like that This movie. is, yeah, this is what happened with, with this movie is time was the thing that pulls mm. them apart, right?
1: And also, also some of Army Hammer's hangups. Okay.
3: Yes, yeah, which I thought was actually a little interesting. Yeah. you know, that the younger person with the parents right there is not the
1: one. Yeah, who's that was right. a really that was a really interesting. That's an interesting subversion of expectations. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where, where somebody a little bit older and more mature actually hasn't come to terms with himself quite yet. Yeah, if, when I heard
0: this premise. I immediately grew just like Ladybird, I I'm so sick of the coming of age story. Yeah, I, and this I, I, and this had a premise. The premise, you know, like the boy wants to figure out which hole he needs to fuck. <laughs>
1: um, L- literally, literally. There, there, uh, there's some gratuitous stuff in this, but also they, it, John thought they chickened out on the sex a little. Bit. I did. I yeah. thought they
0: did.
3: But, they they went full. They went pretty much full hand with the straight sex and the gay sex. They panned
0: tastefully yeah. to a yeah. drain.
2: Was it done better yeah. at That's the cool. end of Dawson's Creek I with Jack mean, and Pacey's Dawson's brother? Creek. Because this is the same story.
0: But anyway, as I was saying, the um, while the premise made me kind of groan a bit, it rose above it because like even though it's a premise I'm sick of, finding your sexuality, I thought it was much more interesting visually. The characters were great. I thought even I mean
1: it, it was two hours, but I didn't feel the two we hours. We watched it right after we watched the post. And, the, <laughs> and, and, and and the post that, which i feel like had no vision at all yeah. it was made it, by a machine the, this, the, was the, lot the, of this this had opening credits that were you know there weren't anything special it was like some notebooks or something and already i was like somebody made this movie yeah. like a human being made this movie yeah, like somebody i can tell cared about this yeah and the, and 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 that never led up the whole film and i guess it was based on a book it uh, is um, yeah. but it was uh, i think a couple of the things that made it stand out from from all the others is uh, first of all the really excellent central performances. Yeah, really the good. Se- the seventeen-year-old kid is really good. He's also in Ladybird, by the way. He plays like the yeah. Oh, he plays the emo kid. Yeah. Right? Wow. He was I didn't even so know much it. better. He's, he's a good skill. actor. Yeah. yeah. He's really good in this. Wow. He was, um, he was he
3: was he was really mediocre in that film, but that just shows the power of good directing and storytelling.
1: And he's allowed in this to to re- like, he's really allowed to do some interesting stuff. Like really? obviously, there's the big performance moment at the end in the credits, which was oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. the, oh was This cool was this cool classy moment where he just kind of he's just hanging out in the house by the fire he just found out that army hammer is getting engaged and it's just like through the credits that they give you five minutes of him just contemplating you know on the dread of staring
3: into the fire and and it was
1: really it was really moving it
3: was beautiful um
1: but then uh army hammer is really good like he feels um like he's really putting out this this arrogant conceited brilliant guy but he actually has everything to learn from the 17-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I also thought it was ballsy, especially with the Kevin Spacey stuff and everything else, that they went ahead and let this happen. Yeah. This, like, this underage thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it is like a, a younger person going after an older man, although it's 17 and 25. Age so of it's, consent. It's, it's know, pretty... It's, it's pretty tame by
1: that standard. One of the things that I both liked about it, but I also was like it, uh, scratching my head a little bit because uh, John and I watched this together and I kept talking about it during the movie. <laughs> I, I, I was like, um, what what are the stakes again? And eventually they got around to telling you. Yeah. But I was like, is, is it that he, is his family homophobic? Because I really doubt it. They yeah. seem really hippie-ish. Because yeah, could... they,
0: they they basically even like in the beginning they're like so you're gonna fuck that man
1: yeah 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 <laughs> I, I brought I brought you a nice hot man I brought you a nice hot man for you for you to fuck <laughs> are you fucking
0: him are you fucking the lady I don't
1: care if you, you should, fuck either you should really fuck you somebody. you should fuck somebody have man. some fun you <laughs> um, yeah it's, spoilers at the end, when like his father's like by the way I know you were totally in love with that guy it's like and by the way I totally had my own gay uh, affair when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. um so like but, no the, I, I i guess like in a way it it demeans the story to have no conflict really other than army hammer doesn't want to go yeah. through with
0: it and and it's, it's kind of implied that or not implied, he tells him that his parents were very anti-gay and yeah. very very yeah, much yeah. Li- and that helps yeah and so that that kind of like
1: retroactively adds That's right. the stakes. That's right. but uh, on the other hand i liked it because Almost always, it's like my parents wouldn't understand, man. Yeah, that becomes a cliche. And I don't. Yeah, I, I feel like I've seen that movie a lot of times. This also took place during the eighties in in Northern Italy. Yeah, and it, new setting. I they think. didn't make it feel like an eighties movie, but they did a really awesome job of making the the period that they're living in a little bit eighties ish. Mm. Like some of the dancing and some yeah. of the, the like, like party scenes. But the, the
3: shooting and the storytelling didn't. It wasn't trapped in the eighties. Yeah, you know, like the... and
1: it look. It's you know, this is Northern Italy. With rich people, yeah. Um, I mean, everything like it's a summer where nobody has much to do, it, yeah. s- except for fuck each other. Um, it's so a, it's a very privileged movie. <laughs> it's a very privileged movie. So it's it's not exactly like there's a lot of um, stakes here. Uh, otherwise, hi. Uh, yeah, you want me to tell you more about call you by your name? I still thought that. Like, so for that reason, the pace is not lightning fast yeah yes. no. um but it didn't you know i'm um, like with phantom thread where i'm like we're doing the same thing over and over again yeah that's true this movie had a little narrative drive it, it
0: revealed a little bit more about the characters and yeah. uh it was done very it was a very human movie like you felt like you it, there was like a sensuality to it
1: that wasn't gross too gross there was something totally relatable about it too like there's i think everybody can relate to that thing of like I had either this friend or this relationship or this opportunity or this period of time in my life where I was here and now I have to leave it forever. Mm. And there's something really, you know, especially if, you, if relationships are important to you, there's something really painful about just moving on from people. Yeah, yeah. And, Never being
3: able to get back to that moment.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. And so I thought, I thought this was great and I totally recommend it. I agree. It, it surprised me. Like I said, the, the premise made me groan, but it blew me away. This was this year's Hell or High Water. Yeah, yeah,
0: I
3: think the so. movie
1: that you didn't know existed. Yeah, and yeah. then you watched it because of Oscars, and you were delightfully surprised.
4: The of love. Call me by your name, and I'll call you by mine.
1: Uh, so next up is Dunkirk. Dunkirk, um, which is my second favorite mm. of, of the group, and and. Like I said, what I would consider one of the three good ones. Yeah, probably my favorite. Yeah, a brilliantly
3: directed, brilliantly visual, uh, visually conceived, uh, excellent storytelling. So it's, it's really all around. So it's really pretty good.
1: simple. It's, it's during the events of the Battle of Dunkirk, uh, the English have been cornered. Yeah. Um, they've had to fall back the to the beach. They've <laughs> had to fall back to the beach. And if they could somehow get across the English Channel back to England... They'd be they be solid. There was yeah. what
2: thirty
3: thousand. No, it was four hundred thousand. Oh, four hundred thousand. Oh,
2: oh, oh, okay. So I think yeah. it was I think it was three hundred thousand. They were talking about in um. Three hundred
0: twenty thousand,
2: maybe. In the now. darkest hour. So this yeah. is the
0: interesting half of uh, the darkest hour. <laughs> yes. And um, it, it, and yeah, a uh, fleet of civilian uh, boats come yeah. over to save T- them. Churchill that, conceives and orders that.
1: That's kind of the the.
2: The heart be, of the be, thing. because the other politicians, like Parliament in England, won't send any actual um, navy vessels because they're afraid that they'll be destroyed the and then they won't have them to protect Britain for when they eventually they think they're eventually going to get invaded.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so the civilian ships are kind of the heart of the whole thing because um, it is an incredible story. This idea of like if you've got a boat. Yeah, go get go some, and,
2: and it's all this pleasure craft. It's just, it's like teak sailboats.
1: Yeah, yeah. I really, the it has kind of three stories.
3: It's telling, right? It's starting to telling this one story about this this air pi- fighter pilot. Who's who's you know got a fuel situation? He's got to manage. He's telling the story about this young man who's trapped on the beach and trying to get off. And they're telling the story about one of the men who actually owns the boat and is driving to France to pick up. Yeah, soldiers. with, his, with uh, his young boys. Yeah, with and, his boy, uh, with
1: his one son. of whom was played by the freaky kid from um, the Killing of a Sacred Deer. Oh
2: yeah, oh. <laughs>
1: uh, which is a, a great movie, by the way, but very
2: uh, strange.
0: So this is. One, I love that Tom Hardy's behind like a mask the whole time. Yeah, again, Uh, again, Um, and he's he's awesome. (laughs) He's freaking awesome. Yeah. Um, And then the score is almost breathtaking. And
1: the sound design in general. Sound design score. Nolan's been trying to nail something for a while. Nolan in Interstellar and Dark Knight Rises specifically, his sound mixes have been really experimental. Mm. And and in general, people have been very critical of them. Yeah, I can't hear the dialogue, or Mm. it's mixed. You know, Bane's voice is too surround sound yeah, or something like yeah. that. I saw this in IMAX mm-hmm. I've never seen anything like this before so really? I would say 90% of the movie was shot in IMAX which unlike The Dark Knight Rises oh, wow. which was like 40% or something yeah. Um, almost all of the film. Uh, pretty much everything except for the stuff that was on the civilian ship. Yeah, that was... I mean, uh, when I I was watching it in H- in 4K. I had a 4K copy, but I was only watching it
3: in 2K. Yeah. Uh, and you could tell from the water scenes that um, clearly a
0: very beautiful camera was used. I didn't realize it was it, iMac. It was incredible. Well, I watched it in standard definition on my iMac, <laughs> just like Nolan intended.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I Some people criticize this movie for not having a... Sort of like Titanic-esque love story yes. at the center. Oh, I'm so glad okay. it didn't. I'm I so, mean, yeah, that was that was
3: one of the things I loved most about it was the fact that we didn't need to insert too much fake history into this to give it no. kind of a core. Didn't need to do that to give it a sense. No, I,
1: I, I was I was very engaged and and Matt, like he. I also know that Nolan's been really interested in doing um, large-scale filmmaking for a long time. Yeah and some of those wide shots of the beach and, oh, the, amount, and the amount of men on the beach
0: and, and, and the, the, the framing is so it's, it's breathtaking every frame is almost a painting
1: yeah <laughs> I mean it, it's um, if you can get yourself a 4K or even a Blu-ray copy watch it on a really nice TV with really nice surround sound uh, it'll give you PTSD <laughs> uh, I mean it's scary
0: the, yeah. The, yeah I had I had some really good headphones on so I was really like into the sound design it, it, it's, it's, it's it's engrossing
1: yeah, it's engrossing. and I'm not always a Nolan guy. Like some, like no, I'm not. I'm not I, like a huge Inception dude. I didn't or, like Interstellar.
0: Yeah. Like yeah, I did not like either. it's like love is the way to space or whatever. I don't yeah. care. That's that was so stupid.
1: My, but, o- often my biggest complaint with Nolan is that he has he overexplains things that don't need to be overexplained, and he underexplains things that I think I feel need ex- explanations. Yeah. And like Interstellar was rife with that, and it, like. Got Inception. He kept taking 10 minutes out of the movie just to explain the rules to you and stuff. And I was like, this is over-explained. This movie was focused. It was about an incredible event in in history that I don't think I ever, without the the art of cinema, I don't think I ever could have put myself there. Well, yeah. and, and I know, think him like... not
2: over-explaining really worked well because so much of this was just emotion and what you were feeling yeah. and yeah. whether you were feeling like the fear or the uncertainty and and he didn't over-explain that. He I didn't actually... have a Tom Hanks scene where he tells you what's at stake oh, yeah, or yeah. anything. Yeah. No.
3: I love the way this movie used non-dialogue and used silence because he used it a lot oh, yeah. uh, and it was super effective in, in terms of relaying the emotions and letting letting things kind of play out and develop just visually. I lo-
0: it was naturalistic almost
1: yeah. like it was a, yeah
2: for for something that was so massive yeah but and I also like it it felt really accessible like for how many this is why I feel kind of bad I didn't remember exactly how many men were on the beach but like you didn't get these giant like CG shots of just like Mm -hmm. troops and troops like you kind of got into (coughs) these little pockets of the story and you kind of knew what was at risk but you didn't have to see just armies of men
3: well I mean and that's part of the interesting perspective that the characters have on the situations because the characters don't get to see 400,000 men the characters see a couple thousand on a beach and
1: not a bit of it felt like CG to me no like not one frame felt like CG
3: yeah. No, you're right. I it, I actually didn't even it didn't even enter and my mind. Obviously, there was is, a lot of it. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um. It, he he. Like the sound design too was really helpful in making me feel what some of the tech was like. Yeah. Because like it, it it's it wasn't advanced. You yeah. know, it was mechanical stuff that was yeah. loud and smelled. Yeah. yeah. And you know and I really got that.
0: Yeah. And, and, I, it, I, and I like how they made you know, uh, all that Tom Hardy stuff feel compelling and interesting, even though it's basically a shot of him in the cop- co- cockpit. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. it's like everything felt so textured and so uh, interesting. It's a, it's a, it's a masterpiece. Yeah, piece. it's a
1: great film. But it got kind of weirdly... I mean, I'm glad it got nominated, but it got a little snubbed. Yeah, like... Like, well, it was, it was it was it was Dunkirk so white. Yeah, people yeah. didn't like that there were white people in it? I, I think people are sick of like Christopher Nolan or something. They're mad, mad out at him? of nowhere? I, I don't know. Cuz I thought they were like worshiping him up, up until this moment. Yeah. Like, well, it, it, which guy.
0: is just kind of funny cuz I never like was a super fan of his, yeah. but this is a yeah, movie of his that I like. I agree. <laughs>
2: can practically see it from here what home <laughs> uh, all right and then finally number my I, number i one, keep I, forgetting that this movie is even like in the right because it just does yeah, not feel, it like it feel like an oscars does is feel like it is get out uh, yeah, by jordan
1: peele so um, uh, get out is a,
0: a a horror film almost it's a thriller yeah a thriller horror um, it's about a, a black man in an interracial uh, relationship, um, and he's going to see the um, his significant other's parents, who are very WASPy white people. And there's a lot of uh, you know uh, tension and, and sinister things happening in the background, but he can't really figure out um what it is and um and then you find out that the 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 main twist of the movie is that spoilers. um spoilers is that they're uh, a family that hypnotizes black men and, and body then snatches then them. and then body switches man. brains of older people into these black specimen male, uh, black people bodies, because they 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 feel that the black form is superior yeah. in, in a in a twist.
1: Because <laughs> it seems like they're like in, in wanting to
2: be youthful and athletic. Yeah, it seems like they're racist. Racist, and, and so they, they say
1: their... a lot of weird, off putting things like so, it. so. So their racism is the, the fetishism the fetishism of black youth. Of yeah. youth.
3: Yeah, I actually I I loved the things that this movie did with race and racism. I loved the way it kind of. Set your expectations, and then twisted your expectations, and twisted them again in a way that was kind of new and and, and kind of interesting to me.
1: And he, even when it seemed like it was going in an obvious direction, it was always funny. Yes, yeah. and it was always interesting. I mean, when it first starts off, it's just like he shows up and he's kind of dealing with all the typical things you you might imagine, you know, going to see like Anglo parents where they're they're telling you that they they voted for Barack Obama, yeah, yeah. and you know they're they're being over the top about it and they're not being they're being tactless and they're not at all like up with how to you know handle these kinds of situations. But his yeah.
2: girlfriend kinda of like they kinda of give away that the girlfriend did on something early on because it's like why does she keep leaving him alone with these people? Why is she such a jerk leaving him alone yeah. all the time? And it, I, I love um the her
1: brother is played by that redheaded kid oh. that was he was he played Banshee in X-Men First Class. He was a really creepy character in The Last Exorcism. Uh, like, same basic kind of yeah. character. He was the... He sold the billboards in Three Billboards. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I really like that actor. He, yeah, he's he, good. He, he has this this unsettlingness about him. Yeah. He does, like, absolutely. Where, like, where if if you always cast Michael Shannon as the bad guy, <laughs> y- you always cast this guy as, like, like the... the sleazy... What's going on here? As yeah. a slightly
2: off-putting what are his motivations, guys? Well, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And
1: just the movie is funny. It's scary as all hell. Yeah. Like, what, when we were in the theater, we were just, like, on the edge of our seats. Like, the suspension... I, I haven't seen a movie that played with suspense this well in a very long time where I just felt like it was ratcheted up the, all the time. only thing that
2: felt out of place, I enjoyed it, but the only thing that feels out of place... Big spoiler. Spoilers throughout the whole thing, I, I'm aware, but... When his friend shows up and rescues him, in yeah, I like so actually loved that. Much. I, it's l- a, it, I loved it. Like personally, it was enjoyable yeah. to watch it's a, it's as a film goer. It's a tension guard. reliever. Yeah, yeah. But like, it, but it was like everything else. Not that it seemed realistic, but like everything else was kind of on the same tense plane, and then that one was just like this comic moment. Yeah, you almost you
0: almost expect a Night of the Living Dead ending where
1: a cop yeah. shoots
2: everybody him. gets shot. Yeah, and, um, well, and that was what
1: it's subverted. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, so if you know you're Night of the Living Dead, yeah, you're you're expecting that, and then yeah, it was great. Because all great horror has like
0: some political commentary and it to the point where it's like a trope and then it kind of subverts that trope and then you're just like ah this movie
2: (laughs) (laughs) and and, and the yeah the message ended up being like trust the guy who doesn't trust white women (laughs) Yeah. yeah you can
1: tell that jordan peele um he knows his horror he's obviously very funny we already knew that yeah but he's also like very cinematic there were like that sequence where he's uh, being hypnotized for the first time and he's it's falling. Really good. I, I I was spellbound. I was like I felt trapped with him. The yeah. like hit that the dude's performance with like the tears that were uncontrollable. Yeah, the the and main act What's his name? I don't actor. know his name. He is phenomenal. He's he's yeah, good.
0: and um, he I think he was nominated for uh, the best actor. I think
1: or, uh, there was the woman who played the. Um, well, the, actually, the whole cast that played the Help yeah uh, on on the like flip. oh yeah
2: that that were actually the grandparents
0: yeah, yeah. That, was, that is awesome. <laughs> yeah that I love that funny. I love that that
3: whole yeah. idea what
1: a what a great movie I mean i I couldn't recommend it more. I think it's really cool that it got nominated. yeah, it's, um, I'm shocked by that. It's like this year's Mad Max yeah yeah, I think um, it's
0: it's it's um it's unique, well written, it's surprising. I don't think I've ever been this surprised by a movie. Yeah. in a while and the and fact they, that they, it's
1: nominated and they released it in like march like i think they yeah. thought it was going to be like a a don't breathe kind of horror movie or yeah. something but it's better than that it's smarter than that yeah. and um i can't wait to see what he directs next
4: if there's too many white people are getting nervous. <laughs>
0: Terrible thing to waste. Hey, uh, John, uh, who do you think, think is going to win? I
3: think it's going to be one of the ones we hate. I think it's going to be <laughs> The Post or it's going to be The Thread. I think those are the ones that, uh, that, sorry, are, gonna, a <laughs> that are going to come oh, up. Oh,
0: yeah, sorry, you yeah. made a mistake. It's it was moonlight. actually Moonlight. <laughs> uh, I think the,
3: my favorite film of the bunch is probably Dunkirk um, and seconded by Call Me By Your Name.
0: Um, so what I think is going to win, um, <sighs> I, I think it's going to be Shape of Water. And uh, mm. um but what I want to win, Dunkirk. That was hands down my favorite um cinematic experience from last year. Yeah.
1: Cool. Um I think that uh, maybe three billboards, it won the Golden Globe. Oh, I, I yeah, think. Uh, um to So may, maybe. Uh but if get, get out won, um that would be like the coolest thing ever. Yeah. So, I would not I,
0: be if I would not be mad at Look, I would not be mad if Get Out, Call Me by Your Name, or uh, Dunkirk won. That'd be
2: all good movies. I preferred Dunkirk. I would love it if that won. I think Get Out was also great. I think that actually stands a chance because of some yeah. politics. But I think it's going to be something just horrible like The Post. I think it's just going to be you one think? of those. I think it's going to be one of those years where we're just like yeah. seriously. Like Crash.
0: Like- oh, oh my God. Don't be that. Don't be
1: crashier.
2: <laughs> so I, I beg
1: the viewers right now um, to go subscribe to RCE Pods and Clips. Yep.
0: Um,
1: our other channel. There might even be... Exclu- we're, pro- we're planning on putting exclusive content on that channel. So if you love Red Cow Entertainment you don't want to miss anything, you have to subscribe to that That's channel. That's
0: right. And, do uh, it. then uh, during the Oscars, we will probably do our Oscar podcast we'll it. once yep. again. Yeah. Um, so... All the other categories best actor, best actress, movies that didn't even get nominated, we'll talk about it. Hooray Check for out those Hollywood! Oh, right, for Hollywood and 90s cars. And so, 90s cars. See you next year for our next review lounge.